guitar. <laughs> no fear. No political correctness. No wokeism. You're listening to Underground USA. Thanks for downloading, listening, and sharing. My name is Frank Salvato. We get into this topic at the end of this America's Third Watch segment, but I wanted to address the issue more thoroughly. The level of constitutional illiteracy held by U.S. Representative Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, a Democrat, not to mention U.S. Senators Elizabeth Warren and Ed Markey, also Democrats from Massachusetts, in their proposed legislation to force a private sector company to abide by governmental edict is beyond stunning. It is grotesque. Walgreens, the Deerfield, Illinois-based pharmacy chain, recently closed a location in Roxbury, Massachusetts, a neighborhood of Boston, which happens to be in Presley's district. Walgreens has closed three stores in the Boston area since 2022. The reason for these closures is simple. Because they existed in high-crime neighborhoods and were routinely targeted for robberies, it became economically unfeasible to allow those locations to remain open. Add to that the fact that Boston, a blue city urban area, has adopted the intellectually stunted policy of decreased police response and rate of prosecution under the guise of equity, and the matter becomes one of economic survival and employee safety. It isn't profitable or safe for those locations to remain functional. But wouldn't you know it, Presley, perhaps one of the most egregious race baiters elected to federal office, almost broke herself getting to the microphone to play the race card. Mr. Speaker, Walgreens is planning to close yet another pharmacy in the Massachusetts 7th, this time on Warren Street in Roxbury, a community that is 85% black and Latino. This closure is a part of a larger trend of abandoning low-income communities like the previous closures in Mattapan and Hyde Park, both in the Massachusetts 7th. When a Walgreens leaves a neighborhood, they disrupt the entire community and they take them and they take with them baby formula, diapers, asthma inhalers, life-saving medications, and of course, jobs. These closures are not arbitrary and they are not innocent. They are life-threatening acts of racial and economic discrimination. That is why I joined with Senator Markey and Warren to demand answers from Walgreens CEO. Why was there no community input, no adequate notice to customers, and no transition resources to prevent gaps in health care? Shame on you, Walgreens. Having a website with talking points about health equity and underserved communities is not enough. Walgreens is a multi-billion dollar corporation that needs to put their money where their mouth is and stop finding for black and brown communities. That Warren and Markey decided to coattail on this absurd protestation stands as testimony to how little our elected officials understand the laws of economics, the Constitution, and the many forms of government in the world. The United States was founded and thrived to become the greatest economic power on the face of the earth on the employment of a free market system. People produce products and or offer services, and the market determines the compensation by establishing a level of compensation agreeable to all parties. That's the way it was supposed to be. But ever since the U.S. federal government raped the Commerce Clause and twisted the Supremacy Clause into origami, 
so as to give the federal government much more authority over our daily lives than originally intended, we have moved away from a free market system. Today, government interference is prevalent across what was once a free market. Executive branch regulatory authority means we have to ask permission from the government to do anything in the workplace. You need a license to collect rainwater, go fishing, own property, start a business, renovate your home, even build a home, operate a vehicle, get married, hunt, own a weapon, cut hair, sell a product. You need permission to protest, grow food on your property, sell food, and in many places, set up even a lemonade stand. The list goes on and on, and now, evidently, according to Presley, Warren, and Markey, the government is now assuming the authority, unilaterally, to tell you where you will operate your businesses and when you can close them. The definition of fascism is a governmental system led by a dictator having complete power, forcibly suppressing opposition and criticism, regimenting all industry, commerce, etc., and emphasizing an aggressive nationalism and often racism. Understanding how intrusive our federal government is in the private sector allegedly free market, it is hard not to check the box next to each one of those qualifiers. All you have to do is replace the word dictator with oligarch, and we're there. The solution to this despotic power grab is not to vote them out, although it would be a great place to start. Truth is, because electoral party politics biorhythms, like a pendulum from conservative to liberal, vote them out doesn't work in the immediate. So the solution is for the 50 states to take back the power they foolishly let the federal government take from them, and that can be achieved through the use of nullification. I lay out a solid plan to implement nullification and more in my book, Nullification, the Case for Decentralizing the Federal Government, available on Amazon in paperback and in Kindle form. Encouraging and aiding our state governments to tame the federal government shows neo-fascists, like Presley, shows them the door. The days of their ideological bullying and grifting the taxpayers would be at an end. Together, we can achieve this and we can save the republic. We just have to be cohesive in our determination to do so. Right now, our segment on America's Third Watch is broadcast coast to coast twice weekly on the Salem and Genesis Communications Networks. You're listening to Underground USA. News, insight, passion. AM 930, The Answer. So, Representative Ayanna Presley, Democrat from Massachusetts, is basically saying that Walgreens is uh, somehow racist for wanting to close its, one of its stores in Boston. The last time I checked, I, I thought companies were free to uh, do business, and if they can't make a profit, as Walgreens is talking about, low prescription volume, things like that. Um, 
they have every right to uh, close up shop and, and try to do business elsewhere where they can make a profit and uh, and other things, other issues. We've seen uh, we've seen in and out Burger close in uh, Oakland, California. They've never closed a location. They've moved them, but never closed them. We've also now, I believe, the Denny's in Oakland is is also shutting down because they have uh, problems with crime and so forth. Folks, you know, companies have to be able to at least be able to do business in an environment. All right. Well, it was the Friday edition, folks. Kyle Warren with you. Glad to be with you this morning as we race into our number four of the program, 949-822-7959. That's the number to call if you'd like to be part of the program this morning. We're going to open up the telephone lines at the bottom of the hour if you have a question or comment for our good friend and uh, um, guest this morning. Frank Sobato from undergroundusa.com, also author of the book Nullification. You can also head over to my home website, kylewarrenshow.com. It's kylewarrenshow.com if you'd like to send us a direct message this morning as well. All right. So once again, we've got the Frank Sobato, undergroundusa.com, and the Denise Part B, <laughs> and the author of the book Nullification. Good morning, Frank. Mr. Kyle. All right. Well, you know, uh, we're going to talk about, of course, the border. We'll talk about these proposed strikes that may occur at some point here uh, in retaliation for the death of three U.S. service members. But, Frank, of course, right here at the top of the hour, we want to bring everybody up to date with what we know so far. Uh, this, according to Fox 13 in Tampa Bay. And, of course, you know, our adopted hometown for this program is Tampa. Uh, but in Clearwater, Florida, there was a terrible tragedy uh, late on Thursday, about 7 p.m. local time, uh, the beach, uh, Beechcraft Bonanza B-35 air, airplane, small plane, crashed into the Bayside Waters Mobile Home Park, formerly known as Japanese Gardens. This is located on U.S. 19 south of the Clearwater Mall. Uh, we understand this plane was coming from Vero Beach. Uh, we had a listener and listening to WLSS uh, was able to determine what the flight path was of that. So they were coming there. They were scheduled to land about 7.06 p.m. But as we know, they did not make it to the Clearwater Airport, Frank. And uh, um, unfortunately, we know that there are multiple fatalities, both of the passengers and people on the ground. Yeah, from what I understand, it's uh, all souls aboard were lost and at least seven on the ground with uh, with many more injuries. You know, when you have expansive units like like the the mobile park homes the rv parks that uh, that we have in florida it's it's only a matter of time and and that's the way that firefighters train they always train for it's only a matter of time so you must be prepared uh condolences to everyone uh associated with this touched by this uh it is a tragedy i understand that the pilot did get a mayday out before before the crash uh, which means he was having trouble. Yeah, engine failure. I think they were reporting. Yeah, yeah. So if he was, you know, it was along a major artery. Obviously, he was trying to make the road. You know, uh, you hear about that all the time, but uh, didn't quite make it. So, um, you know, again, condolences to everybody attached to this. Well, Frank, of course, um, as a former uh, firefighter, um, when you were to come up, if you were to come upon a scene like this, now. Obviously, this is a mobile home park. Uh, we understand at least four units, from what I heard earlier, were you know, pretty much engulfed, uh, but other fires within that area. But uh, because these are mobile homes, are they more prone 
uh, to have this kind of widespread fire in the aftermath of something like this? Or, you know, when you come up on a scene like this, how do you start, how do you start taking care of it? Well, the first thing you do is scene safety. You've got propane tanks all over there, mm -hmm. you, you know, all over the grounds. So it's scene safety for the people who are going in. The people who have been lost by that point in time have been lost. You're going on a, on a, a fire suppression and rescue mission. Uh, when you come upon something as mass casualty and you, you throw out an all call for a, what we would call a, um, a mass casualty incident box alarm, uh, in, in the days when I was, was on the rigs, uh, and you, and you send your, your search and rescue people out and you start fighting the fires and making sure that the propane tanks are sequestered. Cause the last thing you need is to have people in there searching these units, nearby units, affected units. Um, and then have a propane tank go off. It's like a secondary bomb going off at a terrorist attack. Indeed. Uh, you know, and uh, obviously, I mean, to have that happen would just be, you know, just a terrible, uh, and, uh, but again, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, the people that were adjacent to this were able to be evacuated. Uh, but we know of course, Frank, that the NTSB, the FAA will be investigating this. We understand it's a beach craft. Um, a Bonanza B-35 aircraft. It's been in production since about 1945, in service since 1947. There are about 17,000 of these planes that were made. And um, so it's got a track record, but the NTSB will be able to determine about the maintenance records. And certainly if they can reconstruct or look at the engine, maybe they can find out exactly what happened. Yeah, the Beechcraft is a solid, a solid unit. It's a solid brand name. Um, all the way from their S-18s down to the Bonanza. Now, if you take care of them, they'll last a very, very long time. So it's going to be all centered on the on the maintenance records for the engine if they do do declare this an engine failure issue. Um, you know, you, you always want to hope it's not pilot error in something like this, especially when there's massive loss of life. Um, but this is one of those times that, you know, you'd like to know more, but you got to wait and see. Indeed, that's exactly right. And uh, but right now we're focusing on those uh, who were injured and killed. Uh, but uh, our condolences and our just our thoughts and prayers, Frank. You know, go out to our friends in Clearwater. This is a terrible tragedy. It hits very close to home, and it's just heartbreaking for us here on the program. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries uh, is is jumping on the bandwagon, you know, because they do have unified messaging over at the Democrat Party. Uh, jumping on the bandwagon that somehow it's these MAGA Republicans and I guess just Republicans in general who are keeping the president and, you know, they're really messing up the border stuff right now. I mean, you know, who do they think they're kidding? Well, this is typical, typical progressive. And, and I refer to progressives as neo-fascists. Now it's a little bit more accurate, uh, the typical tactic going all the way back to the Wilson administration. Um, they'll do what they want to do. And when they want the narrative to change, they just change it. They've, they've come to understand there'll be a little bit of outrage coming from the people who are aware, but that those numbers of people who are aware are a little bit less than everybody would think. So you'll get some people today griping on social media. You might get a couple pundits on TV saying, do you see what they're trying to do? They haven't moved anything. And, and now they're trying to take credit for everything that has been done. It's the status quo. It's their modus operandi. Biden's going to be the 
and mark my words, someone's going to say this if they haven't already. Biden is going to be the strongest president on border security that's ever lived. <laughs> that's right. Nobody's done more. And he wants to do more, too, Frank. He wants to do more. But he's got, the, he, you have to give him the power to do it. You give me the power to do it. <laughs> give me the money to do it. Because when we actually pass that bill, I'm going to tack on stuff about gas stoves. And uh, we'll make sure that we refund UN, uh, UN, UNRWA. And let's see, who else can we give money to? And we'll give about $4.30 to border security. That's, right. that's one of the things that I write about in the book. Um, I think it's something that needs to have a lot more discussion. Uh, and it's very easy for people to get behind. We need to stop with the, with the um, multi-subject and omnibus bills. We need to move to standalone legislation in, in Washington, D.C., if we're going to vote on an issue like border security, that should be the single thing that is debated on the floor and contained in that bill. Indeed. Not only not only would it slow down what happens in Washington, which at this point would be a brilliant thing, but it makes people accountable for their vote. Right now, you can say, "Well, I couldn't vote. I couldn't vote for the border security bill because they they attached uh, raping gerbils to the bill." You know, I'm not for raping gerbils. I, I can't vote for that. But when you have standalone legislation, you get held to account for the vote, yes or no. Uh, a perfect example of that is, um, I believe there was a, a vote that just came to the floor about allowing Hamas terrorists into the United States. And 75% of the Democrat caucus voted uh, not to restrict their travel here. Right. Yeah. You know. What kind of world is that? I mean, that's this is bizarre world. Well, they get cover now because they say there were things in that bill I couldn't vote for, so I'd rather kill the bill than than vote for the things that, that my my friend across the aisle wants that I've always stood stood against. If you had standalone legislation, you wouldn't have that cover to be able to vote against things that are obviously smart. We don't want Hamas terrorists coming into the United States. That's a logical, a logical bill to vote for, you know, but, se oh, but, yeah. se but 75% of a political party walking lockstep and saying, no, let's take a look at what else was in that bill, because it's something that they didn't want, they didn't want to vote for. Well, but, you know, obviously the horse trading that goes on and the cajoling that goes on, this is why all that stuff is in there in the first place. And that is the systemic problem in Washington. I mean, this is, you know, and, and, and. I have a feeling this would be so hard to change, although it makes complete sense because every representative or senator would say, well, I can't be for that because, you know, I still have to be able to, you know, get my other pork and bring it home or I have to be able to, you know, uh, offer this carrot for this or to get something else passed. But but I think you're right. I think you're right on the money, Frank. You know, when we, we, it needs to be one thing at a time. When we when we go back in history and we watch the way the uh, the Congress handled independence, it was only one issue that was on the was on the floor, and it was the most important decision our federal government has ever made. And they did their horse trading, they did their promises for future votes, they did promises for the way the Constitution should be laid out, which was a heck of a lot more important than whether or not we're going to subsidize uh, the, uh, corn and ethanol. You know, I, you know, so 
it can be done without needing to say, I need that power to bargain. You know, I'm going to stop. You think about it, it's a disingenuous way to stop a bill. If we're supposed to be representative of the American people, then the representatives should go to Washington and vote the conscience of the people. If the people want something and, and they support it, who, you know, why do you block it by saying, oh, okay, I'm going to attach something that's just just insane and macabre to this bill that nobody would ever vote for, and now everything's going to die? It's it's a bizarre tactic that's disingenuous. It's dishonest as far as I'm concerned, but it also provides cover. And, and that's part of the problem in Washington. When you always have an excuse not to do the right thing, uh, you know, why, why should we allow that? And this is a rule. This is not something that has to go into the Constitution and, and, and be amended. This is a rule for the Senate and a rule for the House. They can change it at the beginning of any Congress. Right. You yeah, know, that, would, you know, that, that would seem to be on the right track because we've seen that kind of stuff happen before. You know, um, I remember back when Harry Reid was in charge, they, mm-hmm. they would change the rules and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And to their benefit. And when yeah. Harry Reid was, boy, when he when he was in charge, a lot of bad stuff got passed because they changed rules. How about if we do it for good stuff? But if we do it, how about if we do it to benefit the American people instead of the people who are just trying to cling to power? I, now, I don't expect Mitch McConnell to even entertain the idea because he's one of the most despicable creatures Washington has ever seen. But I do expect it from a new class of of elected official who have been elected uh, on the on the mantra that things have to change. And and this goes for the left and the right. The left, if you're walking your walk and you think you're so right, I dare you. Go to standalone legislation and let's see how your ideas fare when it comes to a vote on the floor singularly. Same goes for the right. Mm-hmm. You you want you want to say that they've gone too far? Okay, let's debate it and have a vote instead of clouding up with all this this and I, and I want to name a post office after after Cuddly Dudley. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, but even so, with um, uh, Joe Biden saying he can't, he's done everything he can at the for the border. Oh. Uh, you know, there's nothing more he can do. He needs this bill. It's also disingenuous because I don't think they even really need a bill, especially when that bill talk, talks about having. 5,000, you know, we'll, we'll just let 5,000 people a day in. That seems to be ridiculous. And, you know, can't he just reverse these executive orders and can't he just start enforcing the existing immigration law? Yeah, there's a there's a, a novel idea. Maybe Mr. Biden ends some of his declarations of emergency for his use of his executive orders. And, and as far as letting 5,000 a day in, why? We don't have to let anybody in. Right. <laughs> if your sink is overflowing, do you put it down to a trickle because you want the water to run or do you shut it off? There's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with shutting off entry into the United States for a good quarter, maybe half a year to try and figure this out, get a handle on it and put a procedure in place that politics can't manipulate. And that's exactly right. And, and, and by do, the way, and, and, and people that well, and you can do that with you can do that with standalone legislation. That's right. And even so, people will say, "Well, we want asylum," but there's so many countries between the United States and other countries that would be considered safe. You would have escaped 
the persecution you were facing, for example, you don't have to walk a thousand miles to the United States to escape that per se. So, you know, because that argument would be made, well, what about all these asylum seekers? Just real quick, uh, I wanted to get your opinion on what was uh, happening in Boston. Uh, Walgreens is, is uh, closing another one of its locations and Representative uh, Presley, who's uh, from Massachusetts, um, is very up in arms about this, saying that it's somehow a racist act to, to do that. But Walgreens has to try to make money, doesn't it, and stay in business? Well, let's, let's frame that a little bit differently. Presley, who is obviously a fascist because she wants to tell the private sector how to do things, um, she's saying that you're a racist if you don't let predominantly demographics of minorities, especially black people, come into your drugstore, take things off the shelf, don't pay for them, and demand that the police don't press charges. You're a racist if you don't let looting become the status quo. Right. That's ridiculous. This woman is an idiot. You know, when, 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 when government starts getting involved in how private sector companies operate, including locations, store hours, the, the products they carry, the price fixing, et cetera, et cetera. We move into a fully fascist form of government. I'm not up for that, but it seems like these, this class of, of, of neo-fascist that is on the very far left of the Democrat party is just fine dictating to the private sector what you will and won't do with your business. This has to be a hard line in the sand. Indeed. No, I, I hear you. And uh, we had a great caller earlier, John in Sarasota, called up and said, well, maybe she should resign and then go open a, a pharmacy or a store in that same area and then take care of the problem that way instead of railing as, as she was. Frank Salvato, undergroundusa.com, author of the book Nullification. Have a great week and we'll talk to you on Monday. Stay home, my friend. Yeah, you too. If you like the podcast, subscribe, leave a comment, rate it if your platform lets you. Be sure to head on over to undergroundusa.com to sign up for our Substack, which comes straight to you, circumventing the censors and the fact checkers, because we both know that they're worthless, and that's been proven over time. And be sure to pick up your copy of Nullification, the case for decentralizing the federal government, available in Kindle and paperback over at Amazon.com. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato, and we will be back right after this. This podcast is a production of the Compass Point Group.